I'm Josh Wall. And I'm Lexi Cutmore. Frankly, I love movies. And frankly, I love true stories. Welcome to our podcast where we dissect films with fellow film enthusiasts and figure out why we love the medium so much. We are back with an episode of Frankly, I Love Movies in the Real World, where Lexi and I delve deep into the world of films based on a true story and figure out what we can learn from them about our own lives. Lexi, this is a very special episode. Indeed it is. Because we have a wonderful guest here. Would you please introduce them? Yes, it's the man, the myth, the person I cohabit with, and the person who I happen to be in a relationship with, one Mr. Jason Borovica. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me here on Movies I Love Frankly. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Some of the greatest people on earth. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. We've been trying to get you on the show for a while mm-hmm. now, and I think, you know, this episode or this series was the perfect way to do it to have both of you guys here because whenever we hang out you know having our energy I think is you know is always something that I relish in and very much enjoy so doing it in the podcast world is very exciting so Jason like coming into this episode how are you feeling what's going through your mind uh you know first podcast appearance ever right yeah I'm having a coronary um nice (laughs) but I'm feeling good and back to your relish comment we all love relish, all right? And we love, the metaphor is that we love the time that we relish together. It's always like this. Oh my God. <laughs> Off to a killer start. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Masterminds, uh, a film from 2016, directed by Jared Hess, starring Zach Galifianakis, Kristen Wiig, Owen Wilson, and Jason Sudeikis, all about the um, October 1997 Loomis Fargo robbery in North Dakota. So when we were putting together this list, Mm -hmm. we tried to put uh, like this list of films for this series. We tried to have like a fair mix of genre and tone and a wide range of stories. You know, Mm -hmm. this one I think is a bit of uh, a standout because it's one of the more relevant or one of the more um, modern movies that we're talking about. I think this and I, Tanya are the most recent ones that we're talking about. Right. It's a dip into the crime, but it's much more of a comedic film. Mm-hmm. Why did you want to put this one on the list? We have so many heavy movies on the list, and that's there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. But I just thought, you know, maybe there's something to be said about delving into, like, the outlandish and kind of stupid aspect of true stories. Honestly, outlandish is important, though, because I think that affects a bigger range of people. I mean, you've Mm -hmm. got uh, like maybe it's more relatable to the average Joe. Yeah, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, it's true. Yeah. I mean, this this one, this movie was branded as like a dumb comedy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the tagline is get stupid rich. So we're going into this and you have characters who are very known for playing, you know, various levels of idiocy, you know. Zach Galifianakis putting on the persona of the like lovable man child to mm-hmm. the, you know, the charming aspects, you know, that he was known for when he was, um, you know, when he first made it big and, you know, like movies like The Hangover and mm-hmm. then Due Date. Kristen Wiig kind of putting this little bit like outlandish, but also kind of uh, like a little hint of crazy, like mm-hmm. bizarreness to her. Jason Sudeikis overconfidence and just like really like that shit crazy aspects mm-hmm. of him inside of a bit more of like an everyday man. And then Owen Wilson, just doing, Who's Owen just, Wilson? Just doing Owen Wilson with a bit more of a Southern accent. So I think that <laughs> is, you know, the 
the main draw. Definitely, we'll get into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, makes for an interesting framing device for a movie of this caliber. Uh, Lexi, when did you first see this movie? Um, well, I can't put like a like a hard date or range to it. I know I was still in high school, mm-hmm. and it was completely incidental because I walked out from my room into the living room, and my dad was watching this, and I only caught like the back half of it Mm -hmm. initially but i was like what the hell are you watching yeah what is this (laughs) you couldn't look away could you no it's a dumpster fire you can't take your eyes off of Love stumbling into a movie um jason do you have a relationship to this movie because you know bringing you on for something like like zodiac or all the president's men would have been very different. So, like, what is your relationship to this movie? Well, honestly, we all have Zodiac signs, just to let you know. Um, <laughs> but my relationship with this movie, uh, I would describe it as, like, I, I feel like I can relate to it. I feel like mm-hmm. I knew people who would have been capable of doing something like this, and I would have been right there behind them. I mean, <laughs> it's, just, it's just so cool to see how casually dumb you can be as a criminal and how much you can get away with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw Owen Wilson's Geo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want that. Yeah. So uh-huh. bad. Yeah. But it's uh, it's just cool to see um, what, just what becomes of it. Like how a little thought could spread into like a wildfire of different, like he w- David Gant was in some big doo-doo mm-hmm. in no time at all. They didn't even have enough time to spend that money. Very, yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the story itself spans a very like minuscule amount of time uh, in that sense. Um, before this was my first time watching mm-hmm. it, I had heard uh, a bit about it when it first uh, came out, and like I'd seen trailers and whatnot. But there wasn't anything like pulling me to the theater. It was kind of a movie for for most people that came and went. You know, it wasn't a very successful movie. It had a budget of twenty five million and grossed mm-hmm. just a little less than thirty million dollars. So. Not uh, the best return, but uh, I was definitely interested um, to, you know, see what you guys uh, relate to and what your attachment to it is. Before we get into some of my thoughts on it, I want to know, Jason, you know, as the guest and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had conversations about movies before in a a much different context than stuff we've had on the show before. But I'm curious, just as an overall, you know, as a consumer of media, what is your relationship to movies? Like, do you enjoy watching movies? Like, what do you go to movies for? Well, it's uh, it's a nice disconnect in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to see uh, just different takes on the world, different uh, people's lives. Mm-hmm. You can kind of absorb through the screen. Yeah. I mean, there's so much uh, in, like, when you're just going out and about in your travels, uh, you hear people making references left and right. Mm-hmm. And I would have been lost in this world if I didn't have this lovely woman to my side here. <laughs> because she's like, she's exposed me uh-huh. to movies. Like, because uh-huh. before that, I was just smashing pumpkins and skateboarding. And, right. Uh-huh. You know, what's a Disney? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> what's a Disney? <laughs> have you enjoyed watching, you know, more of the, uh, the based on a true story movies? Yeah. Just to know that there's actually a, a seed of truth. Mm-hmm. And what I'm watching, um, it's uh, it just keeps me mm-hmm. keeps me captivated. So that elevates the experience for you. So this, so you guys have watched. Have you guys watched every movie in this series together? 
Not when I've been rewatching them, but mm. at some point or another, with the exception, I think of maybe Goodfellas is the only one you haven't seen with me. I'm pretty sure he's watched right. all of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like when you're going through these films, uh, yeah, so like the nugget of truth kind of elevates the story for you in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know that the the directors and like everybody's going to put their own personal take on things. Uh-huh. So it's going to be, you know, not exactly the true story, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does help knowing that like there's actually a point in history where something happened like this or because of this. And yeah, um, it just makes it easier to, you know, to to be sucked into it. Mm-hmm. But do you still approach films like this as if you're just like getting a, a story like you're not going into it being like this is going to be a total factual recounting of this particular incident? Like you're not it doesn't oh, yeah. bother you that um, dramatic liberties were taken. No, I I mean, I was basically drawn to it uh, by the actors. Mm-hmm. I just love I love the way that they uh, they do their job. Yeah, they're very funny. And um, it, it was cool. I learned a little something along the way. Yeah. Uh, about a big heist. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the movie, I realized that I probably would have been a, a good supervisor. Like we could have gotten away with it if I was there. Yeah, <laughs> that's your takeaway. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, at least... I'm doing this all wrong. I had to get in there and, like, really shape these guys up. Lots of notes. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's interesting then to, like, yeah, the draw being the actors and, you know, having that at least some form of connectivity to to a story that is, you know, unknown to you or, like, most audiences. Mm -hmm. Um, This story, you know, uh, the, the heist itself was $17 million taken from uh loomis fargo which was a uh like a credit was it just a bank uh it's so it's a place where money is stored but it's the money's owned by banks ah right 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 right. and uh at at the time it's still considered one of the biggest um heists in american history Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think it was it was the biggest numero um, uno. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cash heist at least. Yeah, you know? cash heist for sure. It was head by David Gent, who was played by um, uh, Zach Galifianakis in the film because he was a supervisor at Loomis Fargo and was um, you know recruited by uh, Stephen Chambers, mm-hmm. who's played by uh, Owen Wilson. And uh, we basically watch as they commit the crime and see how it unspiral, like you know, un- unfurls from there. Um, so my first time watching this, I was, I was interested in the fact that it's only 90 minutes mm-hmm. because, you know, I think we were just talking about this in a previous episode that like in, you know, today, a lot of movies are this grand scale, very long, you know, especially some of the Oscar movies that we see like two, two and a mm-hmm. half hours, you know, this is a tight 90 minute comedy, you know? And also, again, like uh, you want to go into it being like, okay, this is this is directed by Jared Hess. It's the same guy who did Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know big films for us growing up for sure. I mean, Napoleon Dynamite is a is a classic, you yes. know, and one of the most quotable movies of the 21st century. It's a and part of us, man. It is, it is a part of our generation, truly. And then Nacho Libre has kind of gotten this like more recent like revisionist um, reappraisal of like this movie is actually good. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. It didn't really do a whole lot for me. I mean, I love Jack Black as much as the next guy. Mm-hmm. That movie's just kind of just kind of weird. And then this is, you know, a bit more of a straightforward Lorne Michaels SNL movie, you know, produced by John uh, John Goldman and Lorne Michaels and starring people like 
Wig and Sudeikis, who, you know, were fresh off of their runs mm-hmm. on SNL and had, you know, a string a string of comedic and somewhat bit more um, dramatic roles. But this is not something that I think a lot of people go to as some of their um, premier work at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of understand why. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I wasn't the biggest <laughs> fan of this movie. I was... Cure. I was going in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. I was That's very good. much like, let's let's see what happens. Maybe it maybe it is interesting. Maybe you know the humor works, and a lot of this movie just doesn't come together. I feel. I mean, what what do you think, Lexi? Fair enough. I mean, it's let's look at the time period, right? Mm-hmm. Twenty sixteen. I think there was like this desire from a lot of audiences to have semi improvised comedies. Yeah, and taking that with a relatively ridiculous true story. I mean, it works for me because I didn't expect a lot. Mm-hmm. Fair. I think that's kind of the baseline for it is if you look at this cast who I'm, I'm not knocking any of them. Mm-hmm. They're all great actors in what they do, but this is what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you're expecting kind of campy, sort of ridiculous and absurd. And that's exactly what you're served. So like to me, it's, it's up to my expectations, because you keep those expectations low. Mm-hmm. They're probably just trying to fill the gaps. I mean, everybody uh, has to keep their career going. Right. So maybe at this particular moment, they were just trying to uh, fan their way to the next big one. Because, I mean, they're staying busy. That That is a very good point, and that was something that I actually wrote down. Similarly, is that like I feel like everyone in this movie just kind of shows up. Mm-hmm. And similar to their you know, characters in the movie, it's almost metaphorical in that sense, is that they do they, they show up, they do a very minimal amount of work and they get a lot of money. They're people too. They're yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's like they show this heist that like everyone involved, like like David Gent like does most of the work, right? right. Because he he's the one who has to get in to Loomis Fargo and steals the money and has to get the, the van out. But everyone else surrounding it is like just raking in the dough and, you know, is living large. And that's the same with the actors in this movie. They're probably like, I, I don't really care that much about this story, but we'll just go. It could be fun working with people that I know and like, and then, you know, get a cash, get get a check, <laughs> and then just go home. You know, and I kind of, I kind of felt that throughout this movie, where it's like everyone's just kind of here mm-hmm. and doing their thing. You know, everyone is doing their thing with southern accents. You know, <laughs> and I think that the thing that separates this movie from those other movies that we were talking about, like Napoleon Dynamite, Nacho Libre is most of the humor reliance, like apart from you're right, there is a lot of improvisation, but it's either gross humor, awkward humor or pain humor. Yes. And, and your, <laughs> and your tolerance on those three things may vary. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those things when done well can really stick the landing. A lot of times here, it was kind of missing me, you know, like when especially the awkward stuff like Kristen Wiig likes to do kind of the crazy, awkward Mm -hmm. stuff like when she's, you know, trying to get the guy to fire her for sexual harassment. She's like grinding on him for like, you know, it just goes on for too long. You know, it's just like, man, David was soaking it up, though. He was. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely into it. Or like the gross humor where um, where David eats the spider mm-hmm. and or it's the like, pool scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was just like, come on, I did, I, I didn't like it. Like, it, it was, was very like, um, what's that Adam Sandler movie? 
Yeah, Which crazy one? Nights? No, no, no. The one with the four friends. And oh, they're like, don't pee in the pool, grown-ups. Oh, grown it was very yeah. grown-ups to me in that particular scene. Right, yeah, that's true. I just was, I was disturbed, like, in that scene. Why did the people, like, scream and run? Like, there was a massacre going on, like, I'm, I mean. I mean, someone, like, shat in a pool. Like, I think <laughs> that's, that's. not that, alarming to you? I would trust the Jets, honestly. I mean, that's a big pool. Yeah, but you want to get out of there as quick as possible. You, you're, you you're not to. staying around. It's like, ah, oh, I can wait a little bit. It's going to waft over my way in probably like five minutes. <laughs> no, I, I just got in. Like, I'm getting used to the water, man. Like, it's, All right, I'm not trying to justify case. it. I just, no, like, gonna... They don't overreacted a little. <laughs> but, I mean, back to uh, the awkwardness of the movie, like some of the awkward humor. Mm-hmm. Janice is mm-hmm. unsettling. So okay, so that's that's. I'm glad you brought her up. So Kate McKinnon is also in this movie as uh, Owen Wilson, or not sorry, Zach Galifianakis's um, fiance, fiance, and then uh, and then wife. And this movie was kind of the confirmation to me that Kate McKinnon's charm has really worn off on me. I think she's a very talented comedian and has a lot of you know is very you know popular and can do a lot of characters on SNL and is very much relied on in the current seasons. But her awkward, really demented, crazed, every woman shtick is not working for me. She seemed like she was like medicated. It was never like Mm -hmm. alluded to, but she like she either was lobotomized or medicated. Mm -hmm. Well, she does have she always like really relies on because she's a very beautiful woman Mm -hmm. and she has that charm that you're automatically drawn to listen to her. And she speaks in a way that like when she's telling the story of how she met David she's telling it in a way that is like just like as if she's telling a story yeah but it's so fucking ridiculous that she's acting as if it's normal same when she's like <laughs> later when she's like you know I use like vagaway or whatever that yeah. like, cream is she's just saying it like you know it's uh, they say those those thongs are like a, 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 a bacteria track from your hoo-ha to your way or to whatever. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's just like kind of, but then like she's got that look in her eye where she's like, I could like snap at any moment. And she oh. really relies on that for a lot of her characters. And here, I don't really see the need for it. I think there are times in it where it works. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like when she's first introduced there's like an element to me that mm-hmm. I like where she's like, where have you been? And he's like, Oh, I was, I was just out. And she's like, I cried for hours. <laughs> like, like that part works for me. But then, you know, the, the mall scene with the vagaway is like, all right, we're yeah. done. Uh huh. It like goes on for a little long, a little too long. I mean, do you like, what do you think? Do you kind of, do you like her presence in this movie or? So for me, it's a very unsettling thing because it reminds me of somebody <clears throat> I grew up with in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a combination of a couple of people. Her name is Lexi Cutmore. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Lexi is, if she, I mean, she's crazy, but she's an angel compared to uh, the people who are appearing in my mind's eye right now. But all I can say is, like, her character worked on me. Mm-hmm. Like, it definitely, uh, it threw me off. Um, like, the poses in the photo shoot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um and then you see in the bloopers where she um, doesn't she launch one like she flatulates um, into his. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And she just like she didn't even like really react. Like, I don't know what took her emotions away, but um, 
rant over. I'm just going to say that uh, she scares me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, so it's interesting that like you are able to find people in your life that can represent like these characters that like can or fill in for some of the attributes. Um, maybe that's how I cope. It, maybe. I don't know. Whoa. That's another podcast. But um, so I, I understand that connection to it. And maybe uh, for me, I like am not able to do that with these characters. For me, I just see like these actors that I'm familiar with and have known like their shtick. And then they just put that into these stupid people. Right. And like right. I've seen them play stupid characters before mm-hmm. to greater success because they felt like better characters right so like zach alfanakis in this kind of feels like he's cut from the same cloth of like his character in like the campaign if you've seen that movie with will ferrell but like in that movie he's like way smarter like he's Mm -hmm. actually smart in that movie but like he's gullible right whereas here he is just like very first thought doesn't really have a whole lot going on and kind of gets lucky by evading you know certain maneuvers he's not the smartest guy and then I don't really know what Kristen Wiig is doing in this movie. <laughs> like, I don't know what her character really is supposed to be. The only real thing that they give her is this, like, a one, four, three. You know, that's my thing, which I thought was kind of stupid, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, like, well, she- it's not actually her thing, though, man. Like, that's like, we grew up in text culture, but pager culture, um, <laughs> they had to say things in a lot fewer characters. But um, she, I mean, she's the piece of tail he was chasing. In order to get to the end of the crime. No, I so. I understand. I'm just saying, like, her character, though, she doesn't really get to do anything other than she answers a phone a few times. And she beats the fuck out of Kate yeah. McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she does sing, like, her singing part in the movie uh, moved. Oh, over the, over Probably, the loudspeaker, yeah. yeah. It had to have moved Or the walkie-talkie. Uh, it could have. I felt it elicited it emotion. Um, and it was brave of her to have actually done gone through with that because that's hard to really bear it all like that i think i mean she's done roles where she's sung in movies before mm-hmm. like i mean she's she was in the secret life of walter mitty where she sings um uh space odyssey by david bowie and that i mean a hotter take that movie doesn't work for me really at all and mm-hmm. um this like that that particular moment is obviously supposed to be humorous because it's not like good like it's not it's yeah it's the awkward humor but like in you know she's trying to sell that you know some kind of like like listen to my voice it's very calming and then (laughs) like it's obviously bad and she can't sing but it's one of those things that and it, it does fit the awkwardness because it goes on for like a long time which was kind of another thing that i was noticing is like a lot of the jokes in this movie they really try and stretch the runtime like because I think they saw in this movie that, like, they don't have a lot. There's not a lot of movie here. They can get through the story really quickly. So the jokes kind of have to, like, they have to spend their time on them for, you know, a little bit. And so something like that or, uh, uh, like, that that random training montage Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense like why would he be throwing cinder blocks into the dumpster that he doesn't really doesn't really need to do that and then eating a spider because they're like you're gonna have to be living in the wilderness it's like yeah but then he's in a hotel like i i don't know i i did write that down actually in my my little notes here that the first act is so Uh fast-paced we get introduced to the people Mm -hmm. 
get somewhat of a backstory. We get what their mission is. And it's done and over with within the first 30 minutes. It's insane. And that's one thing I was I was noting is like, OK, so we start off. We're, you know, getting the that kind of quick introduction to Zach Galifianakis' character. Then he meets Kate McKinnon. Um, her name is uh, Kate. What's her name? Jesse. Oh, no. Oh, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Kelly Campbell. Kelly Campbell. Kelly Thank Campbell. you. Um, and yeah, they like go on like a job together where they're, you know, transporting the money and then they just stop on the side of the road and she's just like, we should rob this bank. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, <laughs> we just met. <laughs> where, where's this coming from? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, and, and my first note in this is just like, all right, well, the movie started. Like the movie just kind of <laughs> starts, you know, and it doesn't, it's like, well, kind of take time to build the character. I don't know if you mm-hmm. wanted to, but like it. This movie to me feels like a checklist movie. It mm-hmm. kind of feels like we're going through the the motions of this is what happened. Here's the story. This is like the main the main beats that you need, and there's not really a whole lot else beyond that. Like I laughed mm. a couple times, but you know most of the time I was I was just kind of it wasn't a very engaging experience. For me, I would disagree. Like, I just mm-hmm. came to this realization that uh, the movie is so fast paced mm-hmm. that it kept my attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and that is a difficult thing to do. So, like, the constant changing of scenes and, like, moving quickly through the story, it's kind of like scrolling through TikTok. You get a little bit of media, you, you swipe to the next one. And um, I would say it was fast paced enough to where I saw, saw it through to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did laugh at, like, uh, Zatch's character was very, um, very bad at flirting. Yeah. And like, I related to that. Um, but it was just like, I think that was the funniest part about it. Like his interest in Kelly Campbell, um, and the way that he would try to communicate that it was just very poorly done. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, in a like he's such a nice dumb guy that he belongs more in like the middle range, like Nashville, Tennessee, uh, I think the South was just a little too hardcore for him. Like he might have uh, succeeded a little bit better. <laughs> Nashville's still in the South. You yes. know that, right? But it's like North South, if you know what I mean. Like... <laughs> so, yeah, above the Carolinas. Yeah. <laughs> I know like when Josh and I sit down to watch these movies before we actually get into talking about them, there's a lot of like, you know, critical analysis on uh-huh. both of our ends about the pacing and the script writing and, and all of that. Do you actually you know, think about the pacing when you watch a movie? Is that something that's like glaring you at the face at times? Um, no, only when you bring it up. And then, and then I start thinking about mm-hmm. like, it, it's never been a component in like my movie watching experience until yeah. I hear people talking <clears throat> about it. And now it's opened up like this whole new concept of like, uh, there's so much that happens to make these movies, um, happen yeah that uh, a lot of people don't think about and it's um like bloopers for me was that thing like that showed me the people behind the movie yeah um but now like there's production value there's like Mm -hmm. backups and stunt Mm -hmm. doubles and Mm -hmm. you know lattes yeah Um, (laughs) there's just so much that makes a movie yeah and it's just cool to to be able to see and hear about the people behind it and Mm -hmm. Well, the pacing is an interesting aspect because it's like you're really asking yourself like that. It doesn't have to be 
that is something that you can articulate regardless of if you're like really into film or not because it's like how mm. am i spending my time mm -hmm. you know oh. it's like are am i actually engaged with what is happening in front of me and do and do i want to see to it till the end because for you you clearly like were into the fast-pacedness of it and you were interested and you were like okay well i got to see where this goes and i think this movie because of like in that way hey, it yeah. it does give you all of just the necessary study guide information that you're just like, okay, let's, I'm curious as to like what happens, you know, when they get caught or whatever. Um, for me though, I, I wanted something more, mm -hmm. you know, right. and I, and I, and I don't mean to say that as like one viewpoint is better than the other. I, I can only speak for myself, but I was just kind of watching this being like, okay, they clearly knew that, this person got together with this person and this is what their personalities were like. And they tried to add like another aspect to like make it a story about like how he's actually clearly in love with this person and wants something else other than the, his, his fiance from in Kate McKinnon. They kind of half-ass that, you know, it doesn't really feel like it's part of the narrative that much because then he's like, I, because then it just turns into, hey, when are you coming down here? Oh, pretty soon. Hey, when are you coming down here? Oh, pretty soon, you know? And then it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm actually not coming down here. And it's like, what? what? And that's kind of like it well, in terms of conflict here, there. Here's the deal, man. Now, there's I think there's a big thing you and possibly you have missed, the two of you combined. And that's the progression of a man. Uh, All right? Okay. He All has right. grown up so incredibly. Like when it came down to survival, like when he was... Fighting for his life, he had $7 in his wallet before he was going to be stuffed down the drain line. Um, I think it was 7 um, It was 48 but Was it 48 Yeah. Mm -hmm. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. It's not a lot. <laughs> minimal amount of money. Minimal. Uh -huh. Minimal money. But, um, like, he he just did what he had to do. Like, he was this doofus um, up until, like, until he was being chased and assassinated. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just cool, like, after that, what he became. He just... He wasn't a pushover. Yeah. He evolved. Right. I don't disagree with that. I think that's a good observation. And like, he definitely has a character arc. I'm, I'm just saying that that aspect of the movie feels kind of underbaked to me. Mm -hmm. Underbaked. Like th because that, because they're clearly trying to set up this relationship early on as like, there's something there, but it seems like something is getting in the way of Kate McKinnon, yeah. like fully crossing over because like she is clearly interested in, in him at the start. Like I, I genuinely, I genuinely think that. And then when the idea of the heist comes in, then she loses interest. And then mm -hmm. it, her, she kind of you know, like gives over to Owen Wilson is like, okay, we just need this guy to, uh, uh, to help us like, off this heist and that's where it's gonna end for me and but like i don't see where that awkwardness is really coming from I like i don't know feel like that's what happens when you take movies based on a true story and there's more creative liberty mm -hmm. with it because that relationship between david gant and kelly campbell i mean they were friends mm -hmm. but there was no romantic relationship yeah. like he was and you can feel that yeah i mean he was actually married to Jandice mm -hmm. at, by the time that the heist had happened. And I mean, like they tried to turn it into somebody who was dissatisfied romantically, which like 
really he was, according to his interviews, only unhappy professionally. Mm -hmm. Huh. Well, I mean, so here's the thing, too, I just realized. They don't do a very good job, unless I missed it the four times I've seen the movie, um, of painting the picture of how, like, Kelly is... How she knows Stephen Chambers, like what their relationship is. Mm-hmm. So it's just this kind of Geppetto, this random uh, Stephen Chambers guy yeah. just shows mm-hmm. up and and that's that. But like, how- so, yes, you just highlighted something else I wanted to talk about <clears throat> is that they skip over, I think, some maybe not crucial information, but information that could make the story a bit more rich mm-hmm. because they kind of just go through it and like after after Kelly got fired, you know, then she got, you know, um, in line with this guy named Stephen Chambers. And then she's just like hanging out of this house. And it's like, mm-hmm. OK, so we understand that there is a relationship there. But like, what is it? Well, they you never know? established that they were friends in high school. Mm-hmm. Kelly Campbell Ooh. and Stephen Chambers and Chambers had talked to Campbell multiple times about robbing something. Mm-hmm. So then that's where the connection is that they never established. So as I could see, like as a viewer, you're like, where did this guy come from? Why is he suddenly involved with two people that worked mm-hmm. at Loomis? I thought it was because Owen Wilson was charming. Um, I thought he just weaseled his way onto the set and they had to give him a character. <laughs> Weasel this way. <laughs> He's like the uh, Owen's back. Can we get someone to as he does <laughs> okay, with most movies? Get that that PA is on Owen watch. We can't have him. Um, that's really funny. Um, yeah, so I think that that again because the the movie is so focused on the fact that okay, this is a, a crime movie, a mm-hmm. heist movie, like high stakes, like lots of money. You know, Jason Sudeikis is a killer. You know, that kind of cat and mouse chase kind of thing. But they, I think they could have, if they put a little bit more effort into their relationships, and I think if they, you know, focused a little bit more on, on that, just giving a little bit more information there, and going deeper into what actually connectiveness that Kelly and uh, David have, mm-hmm. it would have, because I'm just more confused by their relationship, because David quickly is enamored with her, yes. and is like, we're going to live in Mexico together, like immediately and it's like and i'm fine with the you know the creative liberty of making him romantically unsatisfied that doesn't bother me that that didn't happen like i'm fine with that Mm -hmm. but like it doesn't it still doesn't feel like it's actually a part of the story like it just feels like okay his wife is weird he doesn't think he's in the right relationship and then you know kelly comes along and then it then their chemistry makes him happy and that's kind of it like I need something else, you know? I, I I need some more tissue that is connected to the story about, like, position in life or mm-hmm. aspirations or something. I don't know. It's kind of strange to me. I would have liked to see more about why David Gant wanted to get involved with a heist because, I mean, he had his own personal reasonings for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, focusing more on the romantic aspect, which we had talked about this in a different episode can take away from the actual story. You know, it's a heist movie with very minimal amount of heist time. Yes. Uh huh. It's like five minutes of heist. Yes. I think, which is fine. You know, I don't need every heist movie to be like heat. Just yeah. like 30 minutes of the movie <laughs> is dedicated to robbing this bank in LA. And like, that's, that's fine. You know? And I, I think the heist itself is an all right sequence. You know, I don't, I don't 
really have the, the tension itself is not that great, but I don't think that's the main draw. We just it. have to like we have to look quick at the um, the things that happened during that heist. Uh, it just seems like it was so chaotic. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, all right. So I had this thought. He w- has been an employee there, a very trusted employee for what, over a decade. And uh, like, so you'd think that he would know where all the security cameras are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like that kind of threw me off. Like I, I know uh, Lex looked it up. She did her research and he did actually dance. Um, he, it he seemed like a that camera. seemed like it was a real thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it just, uh, it seems like to make a fatal flaw like that. And then he actually crashed the van mm-hmm. on his way out. Um, like what the heck? I mean, it's, I think that's just a testament to them trying to character build, you know, I mean, to right. establish who these people were, because yeah. there were a lot of missteps made. Uh huh. No, for sure. And I think that's the interesting part of this story is that these fucking idiots pulled off the greatest cash heist <laughs> on American soil at the time. That is an interesting movie idea, but you still got to make them characters and still yes. like put the effort in to make me interested in what they're doing. Because like, as it stands, you know, it, it, it just like kind of goes through the motions. And yeah. I totally agree with you that like, how does he not like, it's not just that it's, he misses a camera. It's the camera that he would probably most easily see because it's right. like facing right in front of him. And uh, it's like, how? Like, I don't know. It, that's just the beginning, too, because like, all right, they crashed the van and apparently the vehicles that they rode up in, like the getaway vehicles, mm-hmm. weren't big enough to take all of the money that was in the van they crashed. So they had to forfeit. What were you saying? It was like um, there three million dollars left in the van because it was all in 20s. Yeah, so they left $3 million that was... You, it sold was re- $17 million in 20s. It's just ridiculous. I mean, like, the the people who worked at Loomis saw it in the morning, so of course it's like, yeah, crime happened here, mm-hmm. immediately seeing that. But I mean, you know, like, aside from those severe missteps, like, when you're talking about characters, was there anything in this that worked for you? I don't know. Because a lot of the character twists kind of took me out at points. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a big fan of Owen Wilson. Like, I, I like the Owen Wilson charm. Um, and that, for the most part, you know, worked for me. I thought some of, ma- mainly the things that worked for me were, like, little lines, little <laughs> moments of humor. Like, I really love Bonnie Needs His Clyde. Like, that's a really yeah. funny <laughs> line. <laughs> um, um, Jason Sudeikis, we haven't mentioned uh, mm-hmm. a lot yet, who I also love and, you know, is having an amazing run right now on Ted Lasso and is a show that I, I greatly, I very much enjoy and I, I can't wait for season three. And and this, you know, is an interesting kind of in-between between that and the characters that he's kind of used to playing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he leads with his everyman look, but again, has that... Um, the murder streak in him, like the crazy look in his eyes here. He kind of looks like Jeff Dunham with a mustache. And so I wasn't really (laughs) digging the, digging the look, but I will say he has one line that I I loved. And it's when he first gets introduced, he's eating fried chicken for whatever reason. Um, (laughs) And he just comes out and he's like, all right, so who do you want me to kill? And they're like, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. Let's, let's not, let's do this later. Not in front of the kids. And he goes, (laughs) ah, 
is it one of them? (laughs) 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 I was not expecting that. I was Uh, like, that okay, that's that was good. That was that was a really good joke. I I really liked that. But some of but like again, that overall thing of like his vibe like just wasn't really working for me. And like that storyline of like they have the same name and they're brothers, I was like, what? What is this? I I (laughs) needed answers to that too. But I will say that like the most notable quote from the movie for me is also from his character. Uh, Do I say that now or should I bring that? Sure, sure. So um, he meets up with Zach after he gets out of prison. The man running gets shot and he's like, I guess that's why you don't go jogging around prisons. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, hop in. Yeah, okay. I, I will say that that's pretty funny. Like he has some good line deliveries. It's just like his position in the story it's like what does it and then also after that so he said he was in prison for seven years and he gets mm-hmm. out yeah does he know that zach galifianakis is not that's not his name and that's not his thing and he's like just going along with it or is he like actually like oh man my my man michael's at a at <laughs> a prison like let's go brother like it's because there would have been so hurt. many stories yeah, at this he, point he could have he should have known especially yeah. if he was wrapped up with that whole crew mm-hmm. like if everyone because he was working for them like and, yeah. and i'm not saying he should have been caught because he probably was good at evading capture but like he should have known that he was fucking with them he was not good at it all right so in the scene where he's getting ready to fire the musket at zatch um stop calling him zatch Zatch okay uh he was standing right out in the open. He had this very colorful like polo on top and he he chose to shoot a musket. So it takes a few moments to load the thing up, mm-hmm. pack the pack or whatever. So like I feel like he doesn't care about avoiding capture. He's just in it for the hunt. And you said uh earlier he looked kind of like Jeff Dunham. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about another JD when I saw his character like introduced, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Doesn't he have that like what do you call it? Je ne sais quoi, like Jeffrey, JD. That's one thing he said when we were watching it. He goes, I think this character is based on Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, I, so he no. said the piano string I, thing? I don't, I, don't know, I don't know about that. No? I, hey, I figured I'd say it. Jeffrey Dahmer was good at luring people in with his, like, he had, like, a, a somewhat, like, weird charm to him. Like, this, I mean, and then obviously was, you know, insane. But, like, this, this guy is putting it all out there that he's crazy. Yeah. Well, Michael McKinney in the movie there, he had a charm that made me feel comfortable how casually he was talking about murder. Mm-hmm. Um, I just put two to two together I get you. for you. I still just don't understand what that story it Was that like a real aspect? Like, it doesn't seem like it would that's, be. See, that's where I feel like this movie falters a mm-hmm. lot is like there's so much creative interpretation, if you want to call it creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two of them were friends prior to the heist because mm-hmm. they were all in on it together. Uh-huh. And so McKinney was sent down to Mexico <laughs> to murder Gant and got there and just decided he couldn't do it. So mm-hmm. they just hung out on the beach as oh, friends. That's, see, that's a so much so much more interesting. Like, I don't know. Like, you could have done a lot with that if, if Sudeikis is in this movie from the get-go. If that character is in there and is like a part of the team and has like some kind of moral conflict there, like I think that could have been. And like if he keeps his somewhat crazy otherworldly persona, fine. 
But like that to me could have been way more interesting than we're brothers with the same name. So let's run in a romantic way on the beach and throw a Nerf football around like that. Like is just kind of I'm just like, I don't really know why this is. Well, there's a lot of it from the musket to Zach Galifianakis being dressed up like Gene Shalit during that chase. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know who that is, but it was beautiful. You don't know who Gene Shalit is? No. He's a very famous um, film critic um, from... Uh, <laughs> uh, who was on uh, kind of around the later Ebert era, but was very famous for his look because he had like this very um, like curly, almost Afro-like look and then a very famous mustache. And had like this kind of nasally like turn like Gene Shalit, you know, it was oh, like a bit, if you, you look him up, like he's he's a very well respected critic, but he was such a, an interesting TV personality because he had like n- a very distinct look and sound to him. He was even parodied on um, Spongebob. Oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture now. Yeah, I will mm-hmm. say Zach Galifianakis did look strikingly like him. That's yes, <laughs> that is true. That the, the disguise, he does look like Gene Shalit. I, I, I do agree. Ten so out of ten from done, the wardrobe department. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that would have done so much for me. Like just knowing who that was, that probably would have been a giggle moment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still looked funny, so I laughed. But no, um, no, I get you. And it's a funny name. So I, I get you. Gene Shallot. <laughs> but it, it kind of makes me think about like how sometimes like there are things that I don't know to appreciate when I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Like I noticed a couple Easter eggs I was focusing the last time I watched. Yeah. I think uh, in the beginning, just before the heist happens, there's like a pan on the wall of his trailer where it shows him as a high school graduate and then him as like an employee of the month. for. Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually David Gant in the high school gown. And then Zach, Zach, for the uh, mm-hmm. the employee picture, but that, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, movies like this love to do that. I just think that at times this movie is just trying to get through the basic plot points and doesn't find any subtextual like interest. And I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying this because it needs to be super complex. Like all of the makings of a very interesting story can be in simplicity but you need to put in a little bit of effort Mm -hmm. like for me then there was no none of the stakes like when the mexican uh police are like chasing after him i'm like okay he's probably gonna get away and he's (laughs) evading them pretty easily you know and uh like i don't know and it it just all felt kind of safe did they adam sandler us did they Adam Sandler was having? Uh, to Adam Sandler is to just make a, a movie to just kind of have fun and to kind of hopscotch the next one. Because like, yes, I would say that. Yeah, he, we got Adam Sandler. Uh-huh. It's very formulaic. Yeah, it's know? very by the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's you've seen stuff like this before, and I, I don't think it's like an offensively bad movie. I wasn't sitting there hating, you know, the movie. I was just kind of like, I didn't really feel a whole lot watching mm-hmm. it. You know it. I will say the thing that actually made me laugh the most, like legitimately was not expecting it. And I like cracked up was in the end when they're at the um, what's it called? The uh, Neptune's conch, like oh, the, the, party. The, the party. Yeah. And Zach is going around and like trying to get Kelly. And he he's like, Kelly, stand back. And he punches through the door and he goes, Lord, that's a cheap door. (laughs) (laughs) He punches her right in the stomach. And he goes, David, give me like a five second countdown before you do it again. (laughs) He just throws himself through the door and tackles her. 
Oh my god! And as somebody who installed like, those doors, that was there was a lot of force behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I was like like out loud laughing at that. I was like, okay, that was actually pretty I mean, funny. That's the thing about this cast, right? Is like despite the fact that they were kind of handed you know, sparkling shit on a plate. Mm -hmm. Like they all are aware of comedic timing, which is what saves Mm -hmm. the movie. I think for sure. Yeah. I mean, cause they're all, you know, they're capable. They're just kind of playing to their strengths and, you know, not giving too much variation. Like none of these performances are really different from things that they've done before. And a lot of the jokes aren't really like, they're very much in line with the time of, Mm -hmm. you know, what we were interested in. And yeah, like, again, pain humor, like all of the the fight in the whatever the store is that they uh, that she works at. And um, to go back to something that you said earlier about um, like skipping over specific pieces of information, like how um, Kelly gets in line with um, Steve. One of the things that I was like, oh, that's they just kind of skipped over is like. The last like scene scene of the movie is that is that party. It ends with this confrontation between uh, David and Steve and they're they're fighting. It gets him to confess because he sees the FBI mm-hmm. um, folks there. And then it just cuts to black and they're going to, to prison. And it's like, whoa, we're not going to see like a anyone getting busted. We're not going to see like a raid. Like that's kind of one of the best parts of these crime movies is to see the downfall. You know, everyone's. You know, the FBI going in, taking everything, you know, people in handcuffs, all the end. Like, it was just kind of like, uh, and then they're going to prison and they're going to keep their bangs. It's like, oh, that's kind of lame. Like, you wanted the, like, drag out the barrels of cash yeah, moment? Yeah, something. Like, uh. you want to see, the like, everything getting torn down. You wanted to see the fantasy, like, come to an end. And then it's just like, okay, what happens to their house? Well, you know, just give me, like, a quick, that. it only needs to be 30 seconds. Just give me a quick 30 seconds collection of scenes where stuff gets repossessed lives are ended and completely changed back like it, it, that would have added so much like something more interesting than you know being like hey let's keep our bangs in prison it's like i don't give a shit about your bangs oh like just <laughs> give me no, something i think um the thing is it's our fault we didn't we didn't give them reason to spend a little bit more money to do like a house like raid scene or because you said what the margin was four million dollars. I mean, the, mo- the movie no. had a twenty five million dollar budget. That's pretty good. All things considered. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. I'm just kidding. It, I mean, it's for me, uh, this movie like it was satisfying mm-hmm. when he was confessing that like because that was my wow moment that like, David, you are now a man. Like, no, that and that is a definite like, again, the end of the character arc, right, is that he mm-hmm. stood up for himself and he used his intelligence that he has, to, he does have to, it. To, you know, bring down, like, the the antagonist, you know? I will say, also, honestly, it was kind of cool to watch him walk into prison and everyone cheering him on. That's, yeah, like, that was that honestly was like, kind of a cool image, I, I will not lie. Um, but, and then, while I do agree that the, the ending scene of, like, you know, that's why you don't go jogging around prisons, like, yeah. is, is funny, why end on that? Like, it feels like in the middle of a scene, almost. Like, where are they going? Right. What what happens now? Like, what is, like, it, it just feels kind of, like, strange to end it there. Well, here's the deal. Like, there there's a lot that you can get out of this movie. And it's all about the perspective of life you come into this movie with. And having, having grown up, uh, you know, being around people who would have actually done 
dumb things like this. Um, it just like, why would you commit a bad crime when you can commit a crime that like isn't? How do I put this? If you could do like a David Gant crime, like like, like a crime that it doesn't like physically harm anybody. Yeah, like to, to get praise, like prison could be comfortable. Um, and a lot of people, I think this is an opinion, um, you know, operate their criminal empire from prison. It's a safe haven. Um, but in David's case, uh, he did something that, you know, it didn't hurt people. He got the praise. He had an easy time, like they said in the movie. Um, he just got through it. Mm -hmm. I think the problem was they just didn't set themselves up in a way where they had a solid ending because, you know, like... David Gant got out of prison and he was like, I think I'm going to go make movies now. We'd be like, wait a minute. Yeah, what? no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I honestly would have been fine if they just ended it up like with everyone clapping and him feeling like he got some kind of like recognition or respect from everyone. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think that's that would have been a good it's spot. A cool, it's a cool image to end on. Like, honestly, like, and I, then, I like it. Then just give you the information about certain, yeah. like sentence time and all that. Yeah. I would have been Fair fine enough. with that. Oh, you know what else? All right. I have questions about the very beginning of the movie. Okay. Where, uh, so it was narrated by, uh-huh. you know, David Gant. And all it was was just like different videos of uh, bad things happening or people getting angry or something. Like, mm-hmm. So it had nothing to do with the movie. Um, it was nice to watch while I was listening to the intro. But um, like what, what was the, uh, the intended impact of that? Just to kind of get me engaged or... Like, what do you think, analysts? Maybe to kind of, like, set your mindset and that, like, you know, these are uh, people, like, stupid criminals, you they, know? They were trying to establish, like, in I guess kind of incorrect interest in it because he was like, <laughs> I always watched crime movies mm-hmm. and where the bad guy gets to, you know, get away with it and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was supposed to be, like, here's where the inspiration for what he's about to do is coming from, but it just didn't work. It had nothing like it. Mm -hmm. None of it was. I think the idea is like to really highlight the fact that this is a true story, which again, I think makes it strange for how the movie conspired. Like afters that is that like, yes, that, that sentiment of like, these are the movies that I loved and I wanted to have, you know, you, you beat up the guy and you get the girl and all of that. And then that's like the fantasy. But then the reality is, you know, you put a box on your head and then like the cashier throws something at you mm-hmm. and you don't get away with the the, the attempted robbery, which yeah. I will say that little clip did make me laugh. That was a pretty funny <laughs> one. So that's saying like this is the reality is that most mm-hmm. of these criminals that you see are idiots and probably, you know, um, carry it out in ways because of how impulsive a lot of these crimes are. Um, and setting you in that mindset, like, this is the way that these characters that we are going to spend some time with think and how they mm-hmm. would go about it. And, like, most of it is is very simple motivations and just, um, again, impulsive because it's like, okay, we want money. How do we do it? Okay, well, let's go, like, hold up a convenience store at gunpoint. We could probably do that, right? Yeah. As opposed to, you know, something like, like Goodfellas, which is like a whole big fucking thing and an empire, you know, this is a bit more on a smaller scale, which I don't think that's a bad way to start a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually think that that is a good thesis statement for the movie, but it 
then goes into this weird realm of not fully connecting the reality to this the fictional story in a way because it's trying to be like this is how these criminals are this is how mm-hmm. like the a lot of like this these types of criminals are right this is these mm-hmm. people and how they would carry out this crime you- and then it's not really trying to I'm, and I'm not saying it needs to be truthful but it's not really trying to give an accurate portrayal of them as just characters and it doesn't work for me do you think it would have been better if because David Gant had said that he dreamt about getting robbed mm-hmm. all the time. If they had done some kind of like cut scene with him in it where he's held up in gunpoint or something and it doesn't work out or, or something to that degree mm-hmm. where like then it flashes back to him where he's like, but it never happened for me. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I think the point still gets across. Like that's not my issue. My issue is just like the, the rest of the movie just like it feels so... Like there's, it doesn't feel like it's a complete portrait of what they're trying to prove. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, and again, I'm not saying it has to be beat for beat of how the story actually happened, but like, give me full characters. Yeah. Don't just give me people in Southern accents and make me think that that just makes them stupid. You know, I will say though, it was very nice to see Buzz from Home Alone. It was (laughs) good. It was good. It was good to see him again in this. He's the, he's the fat guy with the goatee. Mm -hmm. The, the cop, right? No, not the cop. The, the one that was sitting outside the shack. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's like the only thing that blacked out for me today so far. Buzz. And actually, while you're looking that up, um, I was thinking about like the impacts of actually like dissecting and analyzing a movie and talking about it. It's actually, I mean, it's pretty cool, but I learned something about my consumption of media like this. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's Buzz. Now I'll be able to make the association uh, next time I watch either of the movies. Mm -hmm. But um, so you guys read your movies like you read your books. But I watch my movies like I watch my books. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is that that I think that's my takeaway from this experience. (laughs) Jason. What does that mean? (laughs) Please elaborate on that. I'm very curious as to what that sentence means. Honestly, I was hoping that you would take your your knowledge of the man I am, and I can't really put into words. That's as close as I could come. Are you trying to say you don't read books? <laughs> <laughs> take that as a yes. <laughs> no, but that's, uh, I mean, it's cool to have seen the other side, like, man. Break on through to the other side. <laughs> it's, uh, man, it's just talking movies is fun. It, it is. That's the whole basis of this show, Jason, is that talking about movies is very fun. Talking movies is fun. Talking movies is fun. Um, uh, oh, one other thing before you know we get into the, the final part of the, our conversation here is um, Leslie Jones is in this movie um, playing kind of the head FBI agent, you know, mm-hmm. investigating the crime and Another known SNL um, face and oh, she's uh, good at it too. Stand- and famous stand-up comedian. Um, I've never been a big fan of her personally. She's never really worked for me, um, and I've I've seen her on SNL. I saw her live do stand-up. I've you know, seen her do this, and she's never really done it for me. And for me, I think also because usually when she's used in movies, it is very much like 
Leslie Jones is here, you know, and not necessarily in a, you know, she's not really a character performer. She is a performer of herself. And that's what people are drawn to is the Leslie Jones charm. It doesn't work for me, but I understand why other people like it. So when I see her show up in a movie and and that she's supposed to play a character, it takes me out of it because I just mm. see her. And I'm not mm. saying I need someone to do like this deep method performance. But when I but when she shows up and stuff, I'm like, okay, it's just Leslie Jones doing her thing and doing her shtick. And it makes it feel way more like an SNL fake movie, almost. There are moments in this because of the performers you know, specifically Kate McKinnon um, and Leslie Jones doing their thing. Like it, it kind of makes the movie, you know, pairing that with the very stripped down surface level story, the movie kind of feels fake at points. I'm like, is this a real movie or is this like a, a movie, like an SNL trailer movie? You yeah. know what I mean? Like where like they do a, a video sketch that's a trailer for this movie mm-hmm. but takes you through the whole thing. Like, I don't know. I mean, th- does she work for you guys? Like, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're a fan? She, so there, she sets the standard for me in, like, what I would expect, like a, like a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Funny, sarcastic, like, FBI agent character to be. Like, she, and there are a lot of those. There are a lot of movies where that's a, that's a big role to fill. But, um, so, like, for it is, me. Yeah, it is a standard character of these stories, for sure. Like, she's the epitome. Like, anybody else should look up to her for guidance on, like, being a funny agent like that. And then, like, there's the other end. I expect either her uh, in that character or, like, Agent Kellerman from Prison Break. Okay. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that. Can't say I have. No. Oh, dude. It's... (laughs) (laughs) If you get bored, man, it was my COVID show. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, no, she's just, like exactly what i would expect she's perfect and like the way she's sassy with that employee mm-hmm. that um like she's like there's no way they're taking my money and mm-hmm. you know it just it was a hoot Katie, and a holler. Katie Kane. She's yeah. a stripper. Mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> man no she's good what i mean you? Eh, not so much yeah. like oh sorry her <laughs> <laughs> performance I, it seemed kind of flat to me and mm-hmm. a lot of the times when you have just your one black character it's like was she thrown in here strictly for the sake of diversity i mean it's a genuine question Mm -hmm. because it's not like she's really offering a lot to the film if she had i guess more of like a compelling role you wouldn't think twice about something like that because Mm -hmm. it's like oh she's genuinely contributing to the film right but otherwise it's like why is she here yeah to kind of to just bring a level of expected sass from a from someone of of that nature of that demographic that's like a typical trope yeah and it's like it is a trope yeah and it it doesn't it doesn't work for me and it like i feel bad because like you know she is a legitimately talented like comedic performer that's why so many people like her she just it's a personal preference that like her style just doesn't really work for me and so when you see when i see her in this movie you know and it just feels like okay she's just showed up in an fbi jacket and she, you know, and that, that's pretty much it. And I agree that, like, for me, the performance is, is kind of flat. I think it's interesting, though, for you, Jason, that, like, you know, you gravitate towards the sass and the confidence of that. And I would be interested if you, like, kind of do a deeper dive into some of these, like, crime movies. and Because that trope of the sassy FBI or, like, the confident FBI um, seasoned agent is mm-hmm. very prominent in a lot of these movies. 
So if you watch more of them and see how other actors um, do it, I'd be interested to see what your reaction is to that. Like um, similarly, like like Kyle Chandler in The Wolf of Wall Street or something like that. Never even seen the movie, so it's I, very I, like, good. He's great. I mean, he's he's great in everything. I love him very very much. Um, similar similar character being again the lead FBI agent taking the reins on the case. So like. Mm-hmm. That itself is not, I, I'm not saying that as a detriment that that cliche is, is here. Like, I think it's fine. But again, just positioning, you know, just like let Leslie Jones do whatever she does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. It, and I'm glad it worked for you. That's Thanks, awesome. Man. And you know, that's what she is there to do. But it doesn't, it doesn't work for me, unfortunately. Well, I will definitely delve deeper into that next time I watch like 21 Jump Street or something. Because that's like you got the great cops and then you've got the the doofs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives you kind of a good... But I mean, the good cops on that one are just obnoxious. Um, right. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll think deeper about... <laughs> we'll get you some FBI movies. For sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. I'll start listening to the police. I'll really envelop myself in the culture. Of uh, yeah, go undercover. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Just baby. for funsies. Just for funsies. <laughs> I'll go undercover. <laughs> Just kidding. No, um, no. any other uh points? Do we want to talk about some analysis? Um, I'd like to clarify something I said earlier. I figured out how to word it a little better. Okay. Um, one of my takeaways uh, about uh, uh, this movie from mm-hmm. this movie. Um is that if you're going to do a crime, don't do something that's going to get you hated in prison. I just wanted to mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. do something that, like, if you're going to have to suffer something, like, you know, time, hard time, make your, you got to set yourself up. You got to think about the future, not just about the now. It's not like, all right, I'm throwing myself away for 60. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right. How can I protect myself in the event of anything that could possibly happen? Uh-huh. And I've learned what not to do with the the moves that were made in this uh, uh-huh. movie. Well, it's a good. I mean, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> you got to take what you <laughs> because, can. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it is cool to see him. You know, walk in like with his persona. You think he's going to get eaten alive, but like he's incredibly respected because of what he did. Yeah, and obviously, the thought of going to prison is terrifying you know slightly less though when, when you watch this right no no you know what it's to still do. pretty scary <laughs> uh, well you speak for yourself yeah i'll stay away from prison yeah i'd like to very much like to stay away from prison but yeah but i guess like but when you commit a crime like this you're doing it and fully believing that you're not going to go to prison that you're that you're going to get away with it Honestly, i see what you mean i mean you probably like don't want to be involved in like murder no, absolutely because not. Because if you do get caught, that's not going to be fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nobody wants... All right, so here's the deal. It's just like, you know, say you you want some good, steady, consistent meals. Um, I mean, he, David Gant, for seven years, ate and slept and didn't have to pay rent. Um, us taxpayers... Are you giving a three hots and a cot argument right now? I'm just <laughs> saying, there's like, everything has a bright side to it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Everything, but you just have to think about what the bad side of that bright side might be. See, okay, well, the other part of that is that he still went to a maximum security penitentiary. Oh, yeah, but he was doing unsupervised, uh, you know, jobs for uh, for the prison, they said at the end. Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. But, like, I think if you're going to prison 
and you're only thinking about like that aspect of it, white collar prison is the way to go because you're not really going to prison. Like you're white collar prison. You talking like what uh, Escobar had going on? Like he had built his own prison and or was that? <laughs> no, no. I mean like when you like like Wolf of Wall Street, like Jordan Belfort, like white collar crimes of you know fraud and uh, you know. Uh, embezzlement and like all of that because you're rich you go to a like different you know side of prison mm-hmm. like it's okay. totally it's it's more it, protected it's yeah, more like protected it's incredibly crimes. comfortable he would like go out and like do te- like play tennis at this facility like it's completely different I so know. if you're looking at it from that way I would take that over like <laughs> well, you know the Shawshank Redemption or something <laughs> so know? those guys I just think blue collar criminals need to figure out what a white collar crime is and then they'll be like alright well why would why would we want to go to this crappy I don't think that's how that works alright you guys are this movie I don't think I don't think any because you you have white collar crimes because you're in a white collar society you mm-hmm. know a blue collar person can't like no. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll I'll submit. But just keep in mind, you know, um it whatever it takes uh some for some blue collar people, um they'll find their way into the white collar. You fake it till you make it. All right? I think that like in, in a subsect of that, I think definitely what this movie could have done like a better job at or if they wanted to like delve deeper is like the circumstance that people like find themselves in to go and mm-hmm. use this as their one option oh, of man. success or um, a you know a, a comfortable lifestyle. I don't or think nothing. this movie paints that the, these people's lifestyle as like really that bad. Yeah, like they're kind of just in a house from the nineties, right? Just they bored. don't paint like they're just kind of bored and like fed up with their situation and want something different as opposed to being like. In a, in a below the poverty line or like really struggling, you, you don't really see that. You know, no one's really struggling. In a this certain movie. level of desperation. Yeah, there yeah. isn't really any of that other than like, wow, we could. You need they're like you gotta steal big to be uh, to get your name on the TV. You know, they were that's struggling, kind of man. Definitely, like, I'm you sure saw- that they were. I'm not saying they weren't. I'm just saying the movie itself doesn't really delve into. Do you remember Stephen Chambers' house? That's How what I'm high saying. up it was on stilts? No, That's... I'm talking about the original house that was stacked like 30 brick high yeah, uh-huh. with no cross supports. Like if you ran and stopped fast, that thing would be on the ground. That, like that. That's <laughs> what I'm saying though, is that like they but they don't really they just do that as like an establishing like this mm-hmm. is the location and yes, it's a it's a decrepit looking house and that's why they get a better house, but like it doesn't feel like this like conflicting thing like oh, they get the success and they're in a better situation. It's just greed. And, like, that's mm-hmm. fine, but, like, I think that could have been another interesting angle of being, like, okay, this is what led these people to this as opposed to just being, like, money! You know? Yeah. Like, and The Wolf of Wall Street, it's 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 weird to keep bringing that movie up, but, like, you know, that movie is just about total greed and uh, selfishness and just, like, debauchery. But I just I would have liked something more than just like the only point of motivation literally is like you need to steal big to get your name on the nightly news. And it's like and they get that and you see that fulfilled like that's fine. But like 
I don't know. Like, I think that could have been another angle and maybe they tried or were somewhat interested in doing that, but like, it doesn't really come through. Fair enough. That was, um, I second and third that. Double. Very nice. Um, I think the movie's message itself is like incredibly clear because they tell it to you where, I mean, it's like the last line of the movie essentially where it's like you like, you don't really know about yourself and anything about yourself until you take a chance, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't disagree with that, you know, and I think that, you know, that is one part of this movie, but like it, it is, it's kind of broad because it's just like these characters, sure, they took a chance, but it's not like they were having like crisis of like faith or conscience or self or anything like that, where they're like, who, who am I really? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh my gosh. Here's the deal. David Gant did all of this. He, he ran the crime. And then he got out of jail seven years later. Like, and he's, I mean, the, the fact that he's still around and kicking, like, that's legendary. That's like, <laughs> what a man. What, he really did it. And he made something of himself, uh, even though it wasn't a good, um, what do you say? I, it wasn't exactly nice to the taxpayers and the people, mm-hmm. but he got away with it. I mean, kind of not, not at not, all. Not really. I mean, I, I guess in a way, since $2 million of that money is still unaccounted for. And there was a scene, like maybe he whispered something to the director. Like there was a scene where he threw that barrel into a lake. That's not I highly what happened. happened. For all you treasure he, hunters out there. They said most likely it was just spent. Probably, yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Using money for what they wanted to use it for. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> Man. I mean, is there any other, you know, theme or message that you guys picked up on? Because, again, I think the main thing is it's spelled out for you because he says it in narration of like, you know, just learning a lot about yourself because of a big risk that you took. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. But is there anything else that you guys kind of caught on to? I mean, any Tom, Dick and Harry can be a criminal no matter Mm -hmm. how high the stakes are. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Really, anyone can commit a crime and, you know, get away with it to some extent. The, I think this though, this movie though, uh, or, like this story is kind of the last um, time or like where someone could like really get away with a crime like this. Now I feel like it's much harder because of the amount of surveillance and the amount of you know uh, eyes there are on like mm-hmm. everything. You well, you can't do it, man. You don't have to go back and check tapes anymore. People can mm. access that stuff remotely, and you can get notifications for unusual movement and things like that like the time it would take to not only formulate a plan but catch somebody Mm -hmm. like it it would take forever just to figure out how to do it in a way where you could probably get away with it but you would be caught almost instantly if you let any kind of dna stay behind yeah 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 um you know there's uh there's another couple of little things my ADHD brain noticed while I was watching this time around. Okay. Um, one of the things was, uh, that I thought was really funny. Um, in the scene where the gentleman clocked in while, uh, Gant was filling the truck with money. Uh-huh. Um, there's a sticker you can see on the mirror, like at the time, uh, clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it said, would you rob this person? So you, you, every time you clock in, you look into this mirror and see that sticker. I thought that was, uh, mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great moral um, obligation kind of stuff there. Gotcha. But I also noticed in the scene where 
Michael McKinney, the assassin, was shooting the musket. He went to like he cocked it, uh, put his powder in there, and then aimed it forward. And just before the explosion, you can see the gunpowder falling out of the gun. So he obviously didn't load it correctly, and that's why it exploded um, in his face. So load your guns correctly. Load your guns correctly. That's yeah. a good life lesson. Good proper gun <laughs> safety is a must. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, man. The the lessons you learn from a movie, you know? The little things. Like, nobody probably noticed that the gunpowder fell out. Um, I mean, it's a quick yeah, moment. It's there. So, yeah. But it's there, for but, sure. But v- valuable, too. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we've reached the, the final question mm-hmm. here. Uh, Jason, I want to start with you. You know, you clearly have a good attachment to this movie, and uh, I want to know... You're someone, you know, who's watched it four times at this point. What do you learn about life, uh, either your life or just the, the concept of existence in general from this movie? Um, I learned that I'm very thankful for where I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in any way that would, inf- um, excuse me, offend anybody. <laughs> uh, so take it as you can. Um, it's just nice. I feel comfortable around the types of people I'm around up here. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I'd be, I just wouldn't make it down South. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Fair. Fair Fair enough. Lexi. Um, I mean, you know, like I said, anybody can commit any kind of crime. So I guess the, the thing is you can't really predict who may or may not make a stupid step like this in, in your life, you Mm -hmm. know, somebody that you've crossed paths with, like might be somebody you don't suspect. Yeah. Sure. Uh, my thing is a bit more selfish and complete opposite of that is that I could never do something like this. (laughs) I was watching this. I honestly somewhat kudos to them for actually trying to do it because I could not, I would crack so quickly and I would like fuck it up instantly. Like I just, I would be so scared and so nervous and anxious. And I just was like, no, I could not, no matter how much, like, even the like the people in the beginning like trying to like hold up like convenience stores or something like that, I could never ever <laughs> do that. And if I successfully did it, I wouldn't be on the run long. I would either give myself up out of guilt or I would be caught like pretty quickly. I, I am not someone who can um, you know can commit like an act like that. I, I because of like just my own anxiety and you know my own personal like issues. Like I could not. Like, I was just watching this, and I was like, yep, I'm, I'm pretty confident in my, you know, criminal record at this point. I mean, know? $17 million in sequence, cash be damned. Yeah. Not going to happen. Not well, going to happen. You have a good outlet, though, because, like, as a director of a horror film, you know that you can still do the things without actually getting in trouble. Right. You create them in your mind's eye. Yeah. Um, I can do it, and but everyone involved is comfortable. Yeah, yes. like that's that's the way to do it, honestly, and that's that's what's great about movies. <laughs> yeah, that you know what, Jason, that is what's great about movies. <laughs> that's a great way to end this. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for. Uh, I mean, at first, like I said, coronary, the heart calmed down, um, and it was awesome to just be in the environment. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity. Of course, yeah. Well, that does it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies in the Real World. Uh, if you like the show, please make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and leave a rating on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Lexi, where can people uh, check us out on social media? 
Go to Facebook, Instagram. Do we have a Twitter? We do, but it's a different handle than uh, the Facebook and Instagram. The Facebook and, and Instagram is Frankly I Love Movies. And then the Twitter is at Frankly underscore podcast. And you can uh, be sure to check out uh, all the clues that we're going to be given for next week's episode. We're chugging along. We're having fun. We're about halfway through with mm-hmm. this, with at least recording this series. So yes. I'm, I think, I think we're doing good work so far. We're gonna keep this party going. We're though. keeping the party going for sure. Um, as always, thanks so much to Rihanna Henson for the series artwork and thumbnails for every episode, and to Kane and Jay Harris for our wonderful music. Uh, until next time, I'm Josh Wall, and I'm Lexi Cutmore. Frankly, I love movies, and frankly, I love true stories, and I'm Jason. <laughs>